It was a long shot, but upgrading to a high-end 2016 bow and respectable effort and results in my shooting preparation since summer, I felt confident in the release of my arrow. The bull was totally broadside and looking right at me as I shot. I could hear the impact of a hard hit, but it was tough to see exactly where. I didn't have the telltale sound of an open ribs pass-through, and I couldn't see anything on the light tan canvas of the 6x6 bull's midsection. But I certainly heard my arrow hit something solid. He lunged forward and immediately hooked uphill, charged away through a group of massive windswept dug firs. He was a good 100 yards out before I really got a good look at him, and per usual, I tore my camera out as I visually tracked him fleeing the area. Looking through and straining to hold my camera steady, my eyes finally confirmed what I'd been desperate to see. The green and white fletchings of my arrow were there, just behind his shoulder, deep in the dark brown patch of the bull's armpit. I was fortunate to grow up where I did. Just a hop over the neighbor's backyard and a country road later were hundreds of undeveloped acres to explore. The large tracts of chaparral land butted up against the Deschutes River, which flowed through a beautiful basalt canyon between the towns of Bend and Tumalo, Oregon. After school and on summer days, I'd race a mile or so back on my mountain bike. I'd built a series of trails in the area that wound throughout the old growth juniper and lava flows. In this seldom trodden, other than myself, place, I had a wildlife sanctuary consisting of just about every kind of critter you could think of from central Oregon. I became quite expert at paying very close attention to the ground. Scorpions, lizards, snakes were a favorite target. Arrowheads, too. Lots of them. Then, of course, shed antlers were something I'd look forward to each spring. There were some incredible bucks that lived in the area, almost year-round, and I spent a lot of time observing them over the years as a youth and teen. My dad did a bit of fur trapping in the 80s, and as an impressionable young kid, I soaked up everything that he'd perfected in the process of setting and checking bobcat, badger, and coyote traps. I learned at a very young age to identify all kinds of tracks, and reading the ground became a satisfying thrill. My young imagination latched on to the concept of wild animals leaving marks in the ground that I could put my fingers in and feel. It inspired a kind of connection a link that intimate impressions of warm living flesh touched the very same bits of sand, soil, and rock. I learned to pay enormous attention to detail in the aging of tracks too. Since having this large parcel of land to wander each day, I'd take careful mental note of the tracks that crossed my main access trail. Each of the following days, I'd note the breakdown of the track due to various environmental conditions. I'd cut a big deer track that I knew was fresh because of my frequency in the area. I'd follow the track, stalking along like a cat. I'd anticipate where the buck would head to, look for signs of what he'd nibbled on along the way, and try to spot him before he spotted me. These wild critters were often my preferred playmates, companions for playing army games and hide and seek. I loved tracking animals. The elements of stalking, of anticipating actions, the hands and knees magnification in search of clues to this day are things that I really enjoy. Not to mention the satisfaction of making it close to an animal that you've in a way earned that encounter with. It's not like stumbling along and merely bumping and kicking critters up by chance or the wind. Tracking is deliberate. It's its own endeavor, an intriguing challenge that I admire. 
And there's no better scenario of tracking than when following a blood trail. A reason I hate to say I'm quite accomplished at tracking is because I've had to follow some animals a long way. Some I've found, some I haven't. Some I saw over following years, and others I don't know if they made it. It's part of hunting, and it's tough. But nature's a tough bitch, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, few animals in the wild pass along in a way that we'd consider much better or worse than becoming a hunter's harvest. That's what I tell myself, at least. The hit was certainly in a great area, but without doubt was lower than ideal. Given how low it was, it was also forward and very tight to the shoulder. Penetration was solid, but not to the fletchings or a pass-through like you'd hope. Around half the shaft was sunk into the bull. As he ran straight away and then hooked right, I had one or two fraction-second glimpses of my fletchings. With a hit in this area, I immediately lit up with the possibility of a heart shot. But the bull's sprint was strong, and he pulled elevation for 20, 40, 60 yards. My face turned to a grimace as I came to grips that this bull was not going to tip over in front of me. Once out of sight, I held my breath in order to listen as hard as I could for a crash, a thud, a shattering crack, anything that could indicate the bull was going down. Those sounds never came, and with regret, I waved off the celebration of victory that had been brewing inside of me. I'll be honest, I didn't know how to feel. I mean, everything I could see from the video I'd taken looked like the shot was pretty damn good, but just right on the edge of what nags and haunts every hunter's conscience. I was so cranked up initially, thinking I had a heart shot and he was going to be down and out in a matter of seconds. The kind of shit every hunter dreams of. The shot that doesn't put a bull down and has never recovered are every hunter's nightmare. I was tail spinning internally, trying to figure out if I was in a dream or a nightmare. I took off my pack and remembered to breathe again. I tried to clear my thoughts, refine my focus, and settle my nerves. I was teetering, twisting in the wind already, and second-guessing my judgment in taking the shot. But on the other hand, I was incredibly stoked with the shot and proud at the same time. It wasn't an easy one, and after being doubled over so long while holding full draw, it was crazy. I finally had the realization of what had all gone down over the course of the morning, and I couldn't help but beam as consecutive broad smiles kept bubbling up. What an epic morning. What a great bull, a herd bull. I'd totally stalked down and snuck in on a solid herd bull and pulled it off. Fist pumps were vibrating down my arms, but I resisted and swallowed the joyous outbursts I wanted so bad to let out. I looked at my watch and marked the time, 9.29, then added an hour. That's how long I'd stay put before advancing. Normally, I wait 45 minutes, but when unsure about a shot, an hour is minimum. Some people are surprised to hear how long I wait, but my explanation is simple. An animal you shoot may have 40 seconds or 40 minutes to live. Over the course of that time, it could be covering ground at a flat-out run, or it could be bedded down just out of sight. I'll take that animal that's moving as little or slow as possible anytime. Thus, absolutely minimizing the risk of disturbing or further spooking that animal is critical. Once this time has passed, I'll take a look at the point of impact and study the scene to see what we're dealing with. First off, can we positively tell exactly where the animal is standing? Often this is cake, but in this ground and conditions, I had to look a very long time to even confirm where the bull was when he bolted 
then eventually stopped for my shot. I ranged back down the steep hill to where my tall Eberly stock pack leaned against the sage. 57 yards. Quickly I compared this to my estimation and thinking at the time of the shot. Not bad, I told myself. Pretty solid work. I'd estimated him at 60 for my shot. Next thing I'll ask is do we have any sign of the arrow? In this case, no. I saw him run off with it, so no further follow-up on that. How strong and readable are the tracks? Man, the tracks were a bitch. Already by this point, just finding where he was standing and sprinted away from after being shot was incredibly difficult. The hillside was very dense bunch grass, which is why they were stopping there to eat, of course. And we were on a steep west-facing slope, so everything was still draped in shade, and the ground was still totally frozen with a lot of rock. From where I stood, of course, the most pressing and urgent question was, what could we see for blood? Uh, nothing. Scanning ahead, I could partly read the next few sets of tracks. At a glance, if there was blood, it was not obvious, and there wasn't much of it. I set my bow at my feet and returned down the hill to my pack. Putting it on, I looked at my watch while jogging the load into position and buckling the straps. It had been well over an hour now. It's time to go get my bull.